Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. It's Pastor Scott with Pastors Jim and Brian. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> this is, uh, it's, it's been like a, a week and a half. That's why we're making sure to have this, this podcast. It was like a week and a half before that. So sorry for those of you who are, you know, expecting every Tuesday the Pastors Podcast to just keep your week going. The giant hole we've left in your life. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I, I got a total of zero angry emails uh, every time we slow down the, 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 the process of these coming out. So Must be a glitch in the internet. I'm sure they're out there just piling up. <laughs> if, if, only, if only the internet just would regularly glitch angry emails. Yes, that would be. I, I just think it's everybody. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even saying personally. I just mean yeah. like for everybody. I think everybody in their, whatever their sphere or life is, is, you know, if they'd like just the internet just filtered out half of the angry emails, I think the world would be a better place. I kind of wanted to filter out the, like the less literary ones, you know, the less uh, people who, whose vocabulary is a little more limited and those who have a richer vocabulary. That might be kind of interesting to to. Even if it's angry, it's still kind of it's strangely enjoyable yeah. <laughs> to read. <laughs> Something like that. I've never uh, been called that before. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that word could be used as an insult. It's amazing. Uh, I think as a pastor, I, I, we don't get very many insulting emails, though. That's I'm thankful for that. Like, if you were a school board member, you'd get insulting emails. Yeah, that's right. Right? Like, if you were a... Politician? You know, yeah, oh, you'd get insulted. Yes, yeah, I'd probably get more than... As, as pastors, we don't get insulted. I, I mean... I wouldn't say we never. Don't. I can't. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> pastors yeah. do yes. receive them, I'm yes. sure. But I don't remember receiving an insulting email. No. Yes. Um, welcome again to the Pastors Podcast. <laughs> we're, we're, here, here we are. Uh, here we are. So in the next couple of weeks, we've got a few things... Coming up, we're going to talk about a uh, upcoming family meeting in the next episode. And so you're going to want to hear about that. Yes. After that, I'm hoping to, I'm taking a, I'm taking a microphone to Uganda. Oh, and cool. hoping to record a, a podcast there. And cool. we'll see how that goes. So not, not over Zoom, but actually in, in person with some of our partners at ARU. A few cool and exciting things coming up. But this episode... I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of just riffing until I figure out what this episode is about. <laughs> <laughs> this episode was an opportunity to, on a Monday morning, grab Brian, grab Jim, <laughs> give you a little bit of a light into uh, the things that we talk about and try to figure out as we're we're navigating through things. I I do want to we <clears throat> the last couple of weeks we've started Galatians. I do want to hear a little bit. From you, Brian, about why Galatians um, and what excites you most about this series that we've started. I think you, you had an opportunity. I mean, you've had an opportunity to preach the last two Sundays. And so in some senses, you explained that. But you're also just kind of walking through these specific texts. Um, I, I've gotten increasingly excited just hearing you in the, the background planning and kind of the direction of this sermon series as a whole. And so I, I thought this might be a cool context to have you explain a little bit more broadly why, why we picked this in the first place and kind of why, why now? Yeah, I mean, Galatians is a great book. Um, part of the reason we picked it is we'd spent, you know, and this is a kind of a, a 
a bit of a window into how we do this. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had spent, you know, several months on a topical series, you know, we're kind of jumping from, from book to book and passage to passage. And, um, that's not how we want to, you know, that's not a, a problem, but it's not how we want to spend like all of our time, you know, on, on Sundays. And so going through a book kind of line by line, it sort of, uh, it, it forces you to not stick to hobby horses. It forces you to kind of like, you know, stay honest. You have, you have to go through every, kind of piece of a, of a book and you get to see how the whole thing hangs together. You get to kind of think the thoughts of that book after it. Um, and so it, we knew we wanted to do a book and then Galatians in particular, um, I think it does this really cool thing right now um, where on the one hand, Galatians is kind of a, it's got a basics vibe to it. It's got a like, Hey, here's the gospel. You know, here's like the thing that you, that you need to know. Here's the center of things. Um, and here's how that kind of continues on into, you know, the rest of your Christian life, whether you've been a Christian for three days or three decades, you know, this is something that is going to be uh, central to you. And exploring that has a way of resetting you. It has a way of grounding you. Um, and I think for us, in some ways, coming out of COVID and, uh, and a lot of other things going on, you kind of have this way of going, okay, being brought back to basics in a way that doesn't feel basic is a really great thing right now. Like I know for me, that's been a, a bit of a surprise over the last couple of weeks. Preaching is like, this feels like stuff that in, in one sense is um, simple, I guess. Uh, but boy, has it felt refreshing um, to do something like that, to, to go back to the well. Um, and, and so in one sense, it's that, that that's why Galatians in another sense um, a little more kind of relevant or topical, the book is in many ways about justification. We'll get to that word pretty soon. Um, and we tend to think about that mainly in religious terms. So, you know, justified before God, what makes you um, able to stand before God? You know, uh, what makes you someone who can be uh, in God's presence and not out of God's presence? What, what justifies, you know, what justifies you? And that sounds very religious, but I think over the last, I think I mentioned this, um, in a sermon somewhat recently, but I didn't get to really develop it. I mean, it, it was like 10 years ago when everyone was saying less than that, when everyone was walking around LA and probably America in a lot of ways saying like, you know, it, it, I'm so glad that your truth works for you and my truth works for me. And, you know, you, and that was the big problem was like, everyone's talking about their truth, this and their truth, that. And in, in like six years, seven years, all of a sudden, if you don't have the right opinion on the, the right event that happened like yesterday or this morning, expressed in the right way, you're a horrible human being. You, like, what, what happened to my truth? Like, like, I mean, it's just out the window. And so all of a sudden we find ourselves in this kind of whirlwind where we're constantly having to justify ourselves to other people. And that bleeds into our own mind. So what ends up happening is you now begin to view yourself as someone who's walking around a world constantly having to be justified to prove that you're worthwhile, to prove that you're the right kind of person and the wrong kind of person. So it's this really weird thing where you internalize this need to justify yourself in front of other people. And, and so even if, in other words, even if you're, um, even if you're not posting weird opinions on social media or, you know, uh, talking really strongly about these, you know, uh, beliefs that are approved or not approved, depending on who you're hanging out with, um, you know, at the office or something, you're, you're still thinking through that lens as you go through your day, mm. you're thinking about what, how, what you're thinking, what you're doing, how you're talking, 
there's this kind of camera looking back at you with the voices and the opinions of thousands of other people. And you're filtering your whole life through that now. So really, like, that's true in one sense across all of human history. It feels really focused right now. Mm. Um, and so we end up in this place where we are just, in, we need an understanding of how justification works because we're doing it every day. Mm. And so to have the gospel come in as what justifies you um, and to have God be the one whom you're justified before and to have that be something secure and, and not variable, like stable and not unstable becomes really important just to like living life in America and Los Angeles, like right now. Mm. So you put those two things together, this kind of sense, in one sense, it's the basics. In another sense, it's really, really topical and really pertinent to like what feels like our kind of moment. And those go hand in glove. And so it feels like what a great chance to explore that um, and hopefully leave us breathing a little easier and feeling more stable, both kind of in that long-term sense, and all humans need that, and also kind of walking through this moment now. Mm. It's so helpful, so encouraging. I think part of why I'm so excited for what what lies ahead, um, Jim. When it, I, I'm gonna put you on the spot, when <laughs> thoughts. That's right. <laughs> when, when, when you think about the Book of Galatians, when you just wh- whether it's on in the in the angle that Brian just said, or when just from your experience with it, what what stands out to you, um, either as like either in passages or even, or even just in a sense. I've never liked the book of Galatians, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. This is excellent. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Why not? I, it's a, I don't have it looked at lately, but I'm going through it. Uh, yeah. Of course, as Brian's uh, uh, doing a wonderful job of, of opening up in a whole new way. So I'm taking, I'm taking madly notes uh, about everything. We're trying to write now every word he says. Uh, but I, I think when I've I've it's I've just left when I've tried to teach it a couple of three times, um, I didn't have the I think the insight that you've you've got, and it was just like a struggle to figure out what the what's going on is what is Paul saying to these people, and I th- I think that is not unusual. I think it's it's somewhat of a book that if you, if you don't have an insight, if you don't have a uh, a way of coming into it, uh, expecting something. Then you're not going to quite get out of it what you uh, what what is being uh, presented right now. And anybody who's got any care about their faith needs to be like, pulling up these uh, messages and, and listening to them because they're they're very very powerful. Um, and I think this is probably the best teaching I've heard on Galatians. So I kind of sidestepped your question. But <laughs> <laughs> it's my advertisement. No, what, what, what excites you is that you, you haven't historically been excited. And I think I, I, what I appreciate about, I always appreciate about your honesty, Jim, <laughs> um, is, uh, is... That's why I see, have trouble getting to, a job. In order to justify myself, if I were asked that question, <laughs> I would feel the pressure to make up something that excited me. And there's a, a rootedness um, and not, not just at, at this point in life, but there's a rootedness in the gospel in you, Jim, that frees you to, because I, and I think why that's so helpful is I think there's a lot of us that feel that way about all sorts of different parts of scripture. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Um, depending on our experience with it, our level of familiarity yes. with it. Um, I think that we would all probably, if we're really honest, acknowledge that, yeah, there's parts of scripture that I not I'm not nuts about. It. I don't totally understand. Like, what? Why is this there? Or what's God trying to do? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm going through First and Second Timothy right now uh, with a group of people who 
I just, they just can't, they can't get it. They can't follow. They can't uh, figure mm. out what's going on. It might, probably some of it is my teaching, but some of it, I think it's just really, our culture is, is uh, I think, somewhat impenetrable mm. at the moment from, from uh, the point of view of, of uh, the reality of God and the, 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 the uh, revolutionary understanding of life uh, with the advent of Jesus. Mm. Um, it, just, it just doesn't play. And I think it's it's very difficult to get from uh, A to Z sometimes, but it, it is for this group, and and uh, mm. it's fascinating to to sit there and listen to them take what I just said and totally change directions with it, and go somewhere <laughs> else. I'm like, what? I didn't say that. So I think uh, I think that I don't think it's uncommon. I think uh, this teaching is is uncommon, and it's 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 uncommonly inc- clear. But that doesn't mean that people are able to, you know, if, if your window is dirty on the inside, you're not going to be able to see it just because it's clear on the outside. Huh. Mm. Mm. So you, you talked, Brian, a little bit about, uh, I don't think it was, uh, one of the last two weeks, you talked a little bit about, the, in a sense, the role of Galatians in church history, mm-hmm. right? How it has, in a number of different ways, been a pivotal book in some of the most dramatic um transformations and moments in church history. Um, going further back to the church in Galatia itself, as you've read and dug in and tried to wrap your hands around what's actually going, what's going on here, why Paul's so obviously upset kind of on the front end, what is it about um, the context of the church in Galatia that stands out to you as we come to kind of uh, understand and and really grasp what is going on in Paul's heart as he writes this. Yeah, so what's interesting is that this is a book written to the churches in Galatia, which is sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like the church in Corinth, which is typically Paul, you know, oftentimes will write the, the church in so there's, and that is brought up like <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and thousands of pages of commentary on, mm. on, okay, so is it the churches in Northern Galatia? Is it in Southern Galatia? How does it line up with these different timelines and mm. questions of when Paul visited Jerusalem? And like, we're actually going to get to that in a, in a couple of weeks um, on, you know, Paul's visit to the, the other apostles and how does this all kind of work together? And so there's a way in which sometimes you get, um, especially in like modern kind of commentaries and scholarship, you get caught up in answering some of these somewhat technical debates. Um, and those debates, while they are important and definitely have their place and, and can have some kind of influence over how you understand the book, um, they don't really uh, do anything substantive um, to the text itself. So, so one of the things that I've actually found that's really interesting is um, that's different than asking about, you know, the church in Corinth, you know, how does that context set up the book of First Corinthians? Like, mm-hmm. well, there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on in Corinth. Yeah, yeah. And like that kind of sets the book up because Paul is going directly at it. Here, um, it's less about the location and the churches themselves. It really is about um, these people who seem to be somewhat pervasive in the New Testament world, um, who seem to be Jewish Christians, who are going around saying, hey, uh, Paul in particular just didn't give you the whole story. Um, he, re- he really only gave you a little piece. Uh, they'd probably say more than that. And again, you're reconstructing in some ways from what Paul's saying, mm-hmm. which, you know, so you got to be a little careful. You don't want to put words in their mouth. You want to do 
what's fair to them and what Paul says and not what you kind of are extrapolating from. But it really, I mean, they're talking about things like circumcision, things like really important Old Testament commandments. They're essentially saying that, you know, the this church, which seems to be a somewhat young church, um, again, that depends on North or South and all that stuff, but it seems somewhat young. Uh, they're, they're just struggling because these people are saying there's, there's more and better than what Paul gave you, but it comes through this way of being a part of God's people. Um, it comes through this way of sort of justifying yourself before God. And so you see, in the, that's, that's the key thing. And that's where I think the, the book kind of unlocks there because you begin to look around and go, um, that's not just a question of how am I saved? though it definitely is that Mm -hmm. it's also not just a question of how am I like included in the church, though it definitely is that in some ways as well. How do you take those things apart? It really is a question of what does it mean for a human being to be the right kind of human being? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that like brings all those things together. It it, it ties in our relationship before God. And and what Paul's going to say is that you're going to have to source that from outside of yourself. You cannot source being the right kind of human being from inside of yourself. So you really have to source that from the gospel and from what God has done for you. And then you're going to be able to living in that pursue change and growth and movement towards how God has designed us to be and how he's designed your individual life to be. All those good works in Ephesians that he's prepared beforehand that we walk in them. Mm. But you really have to source it outside of yourself before you can look to, to yourself. And, and that seems to be the big, the big context there. And I think that's one of the reasons it's been so powerful throughout church history mm. is there really is always a way we're doing that. There's always a way that you're finding yourself going, okay, so am I going to do this outside myself or inside myself? Um, and it takes different forms in different times. But from the Galatians to the Reformation to the First Great Awakening, in different ways, you're seeing that same common human problem. What makes me worthwhile? What makes me a good human being? What puts me on the right side of things, you know, what allows me to trust that I'm the right kind of person and that I'm living my life right. And that I, you know, and all of those things. Mm. And there's different ways that history has told us, well, just do this, do that, do this, do that. And that's how you prove it. Um, and Paul comes in with this really resounding, no, it, it really is grace and peace from. Mm. And so if that's the case, then you're going to find yourself, if you're trapped in a kind of grace and peace if mentality, whatever that looks like, whether it's the year 100 or the year 2020 or something in between, you're going, you're going to, you're going to feel trapped in it. And, and getting this book is going to give you a sense of freedom from that. It's in other books too, but this one just really mm. kind of punches it right on the nose. And so I think that's where the context really helps. Um, it's not so much the church itself as these people who have come in and Paul dealing with them pretty directly and pretty strongly gives you a sense of, well, that's how strong it must need to be in my life too. And maybe the power that, um, that can come in and change my life and continue to change it such that I actually am transforming even while I'm sourcing my worth from something outside of myself. Hmm. I think that's so helpful. And I think it, it also even gives some context to why, in a sense, our introduction to the series was, was less like a bunch of historical facts and datum context and more kind of a, a philosophical context like the what was the thinking going on and how is that thinking echoed in what we're doing today i, I i'm str- i was struck even as you you're talking about like i think that our world today and i think we imbibe this we've convinced ourselves that we're asking more um oh dang it 
You had it and you lost it, huh? I did. I had a I great your, word. I saw it in your eyes. I had a great word. Oh. It's because I talked to you, you just like you that. Had, you you did. were holding you it. You did. I was holding it. I was like, well, he just You didn't write it down. Stop. <laughs> um, no. Uh, it wasn't that great of a word. <laughs> sophisticated was the word. That was a no, but like we've convinced ourselves that we are asking more sophisticated questions. Oh, totally. Yeah. We've convinced ourselves yeah. that today we are we we are so advanced. We are are, are so in, an, in another level that we are asking more sophisticated questions, and therefore we we need this new knowledge that wasn't there before. And at the core, when you peel away this sophisticated facade, what a book like Galatians and the story of history shows us is that we're actually just still asking the same questions. We're asking these same basic questions about identity, about justification, uh, the same fears, the same social dynamics that have been at work throughout history is what we're going through right now. And the um, facade of sophistication to it, it kind of offers the interpretation that, well, no, no, you need new answers because these are wholly new questions when in reality they're not. And in, and in some ways, actually, we're asking them in less sophisticated ways than they were even asked <laughs> historically. Exactly. Yeah. Do, can I go back to the word designed that Please. you mentioned a while ago? Yeah. Uh, because I don't think that's a, that's a common, uh, in our culture, a, a common understanding. Uh, but I think it's, it's, it's essential to, to knowing who we are biblically. Um, can you yeah, open I, that I, up a little bit? I mean, I can try. I, I think, I think you're right. So what's weird about I, right now, there's a sense in which sort of culturally, if we're talking Western culture or just Los Angeles, there's a way we have a leg up in, in a lot of areas. I mean, I think there's a way that we, we do consider, um, equality. We consider, uh, the idea of of fairness, um, we actually have some sense of of uh, regard for people who are weak um, in ways it's just foreign to a lot of human history, um, especially mm -hmm. in like you know the West in like you, you cycle time back you know a thousand two thousand mm -hmm. years that just wasn't the case you know um, and a lot of that I mean, if if you ever pick up Tom Holland's book Dominion you find out he he's a, he's not a Christian but he argues that that's basically just a Christian hangover like Christianity did that so it's that's kind of interesting, but mm. we do have this, there's parts of our culture that I think are really, really helpful in ways in which there is an advancement. There's a kind of sense that, um, however you want to, want to play it out, uh, that, that we want to have regard for all different kinds of people. And that, that, and that's a helpful thing. Um, because that was so absent if you read things from like, you know, Rome or Greece yes. or like, a, like just so fundamentally absent. Um, power was power and you just, if you had it, you used it and it's just no one thought twice about it. I say that because there's a way in which you want to paint our culture just entirely backwards. It's like not, not you guys, but like in general, yeah, yeah. there's a temptation. No, totally. There's ways that our culture can do is, has advanced pieces to it. Parts that we do think a lot about that I think are helpful parts. There's also ways in which you know, we're really stunted. And one of them is, yeah, like <laughs> the idea of design or, or the idea that, um, you know, there's an old... It, this is kind of Aristotle, basically, and 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 before a little bit too. But you know what makes what makes a knife a good knife? You really have no idea until you know what a knife's for. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's a, it's an impossible question to answer. That's not a hard concept to grasp. But when you look around, you know what is uh, what is a person for? What is a nation for? What is a family for? 
What is a school for? What like you can go you can go the list of all the major things, institutions, people, categories we have, and all the conversations have zero sense of well, here's what they're for. And so we really are just arguing, just philosophically, like malnourished, <laughs> you know. Like, and so, so, and I get that that's a hard question. It's not an easy question to answer, but it seems like a really necessary question before we just assert a bunch of different definitions and then yell at each other about them without talking about that. And so, when we talk about a, a human being and the Book of Galatians and the and the Bible and Scripture and the Christian faith and tradition, you have a certain idea of what a human being is for. They're to glorify God. They're to enjoy him forever. They are not their own, but belong body and soul to God through Christ. Like there's, there's ways that um, what, you, what you are for, that there's a, a design to you that, that has a purpose to it and a direction to it and a, a kind of a trajectory that um, is grounded in something outside of yourself. Hmm. That, that Even the concept of identity, which is really new language. Yes. Like we, didn't, we talked about identity ideas before in some ways. But the idea of identity is, is really new and really vague. Your identity can be something that you either, uh, you can use the same word to talk about what's stable about you or what's changeable about you. Your identity is the thing that keeps you the same throughout all the changes or the thing that you change mm-hmm. that, that asserts that. And that's who you are is that you can change it. So the fact that you can do that, in, the opposites mean use the same word, is, it's, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. And we also, you know, you can mean all sorts of things uh, on, on top of that. But that same word, you know, you're trying to say, okay, what is it exactly that allows me to be, what trajectory am I on? What is it that's pushing me in a direction? The Christian faith is going to say your identity um, is, is sourced, it's housed, it, it's a given coherence and stability outside of you. That, that's why it holds together is because mm-hmm. we're people who are made in the image of God. Mm. Um, and so like, like all, if you start there, you realize that's going to have a built-in trajectory. And so you get back to really philosophical things. Uh, you know, Aristotle had four causes that describe things. You know, like, mm-hmm. Not just the thing that, that, you know, pushed one billiard ball into the next one um, that later right. David Hume would say doesn't work at all. And, you know, there's all these arguments about this in the philosophical world. But it's really helpful to think about, okay, there's, a, there's, a, there's the thing that you're made up of. There's the thing that puts you in a certain form that takes the, the, you know, that material mm-hmm. and, and arranges it. There's the, the place that came from. There's, there's a place that goes to. There's the purpose behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, it, that's just a really interesting way of thinking about a person. And we basically said, well, now we're just going to talk about none of those things except the billiard balls, you know? Yeah. And so design becomes this, this thing that we probably should have been thinking about, but we just haven't been. And so it feels revolutionary when it's actually kind of simple. The thing that makes it beautiful and complex and, you know, stunning and wonderful is that your design is given to you from someone else. And so you're living into something that someone else designed for you and that someone else is bigger than you and knows more than you and loves you more than you love yourself. And so all of a sudden sourcing your identity somewhere else becomes like the greatest thing in the world. Mm. Because imagine just being left to yourself (laughs) and you have to do that on your own. So long answer, um, but there's a lot to unpack there. And I think that culturally retrieving some of that and restoring it and thinking more about purpose and, and how that relates to what we are and ought to be, um, it just becomes really freeing. I don't know. That was a lot, a lot of different stuff, but there's the unpack. Yeah. The whole idea of, of self-awareness, uh, I think is, if you think about it for a while, it's shocking that, that I'm, I'm aware of who I am and that there is, uh, there are certain proclivities I have, 
uh, and certain certain things that seem to really pull on me, like you know, I can see my dog do the same thing. That seems like more not. Uh, it's, I'm I'm aware of it, but it's, it's not something I feel like it's is so e- easily changeable. But there are, there are other things that I I realize. I, I can I can change. I, I can think differently. I can have a different sense of myself. I can make choices that will uh, enhance something, maybe my uh, you know, physical ability, but may detract from something else and, and begin to make all these choices. And some somewhere in there, it seems to me I I, I begin to think about well, who who is the me in the middle of all this? What what actually am I in here? Uh, and maybe that's too either stupid or too far out there, but I think that's that's something that when you come to faith, Christian faith particularly, uh, you can address uh, because I think there is something in me uh, that is that is the essence of me, and and that's uh, that sounds too Buddhist, I think somehow, but <laughs> I don't mean it to be the way. But it's, it was stunning to me to when I. When I first came to faith, I began to think, "Oh, that's why. That's why I'm self-aware, so that so that so, now, so that I know that I am uh, a created, thoughtfully created being." Mm. Uh, stunning, I think. I, I was that was to me a stunning thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. You know, the the, the phrase you used, Brian, was simple and revolutionary. Yeah, and. It strikes me that in this moment, in this cult, like this is part of why I am so excited to be alive right now. Like so excited to be serving the Lord in the church, in the city, in Los Angeles. And, you know, like, I think that there's an attitude that can be like, oh, like, you know, oh, things are so like horrible. Things are so hard. And like, and oh, you're in Los Angeles. You know, anybody who doesn't <laughs> live here, right? <laughs> why? Do you, and, for all those reasons, it is so exciting to me to be here in this moment, even in the sense of this moment in history, with a the reality, the message that is simple and revolutionary, that uh, makes sense of all the questions that... Um, in one sense, all the questions that people are asking, and in another sense, all the questions that are behind all the angst uh, and tensions people are feeling, and what a what a and uh, yeah, what, what what a rich and sweet opportunity, privilege, yeah, it is to uh, to get to to be here to do this to walk through Galatians in a place like this. It's funny because you have, uh, you're right, it, it means simple, revolutionary. And then you have Jim and I over here for the last 15 minutes, which is 95% Brian. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, we're, we're, we're heading into this really intriguing, I mean, it's intriguing to me. Like, there's some deep stuff going on, yeah. some really complicated things, yeah. you know, about, like, w- what is the I, you know, in the center of all of this? What is this thing that I call myself, like, it's, these are really philosophical questions. And, and I've got in the back of my head, like David Hume calling it a bundle of perceptions. You really don't know. It, there's really nothing there at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think therefore I am. Well, what's that? I? it's nothing. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of things you, you experience. And, and, and to, to find that the same, the same thing that strikes the simple tone, um, and makes it revolutionary, mm-hmm. which is the sense that you source your, Identity. We we'll use that. We we'll use that. Where you source it from outside of yourself, 
um, is the same thing that answers these really kind of ridiculously complex and navel-gazing philosophical questions mm-hmm. that we tend to come up with about what gives your eye any sense of stability at all. Yeah. And the more you look inward apart from God, the more that completely unravels. That's the history of Western philosophy in, in a lot of ways, at least parts of it. Um, and so to watch the same thing yeah. be both the simple answer and dive into the complexity the of all profound. sorts of crazy thoughts yep. and be able to address those too. That's, that's what blows my mind is mm-hmm. that there's this kind of thing. I, I can't remember who it was. Someone in church history said, you know, essentially the truth. Oh, oh and it's in the Cabin's Call song too from back <laughs> in the day. But the truth is it's like a river or, or a lake where the strong can swim all the way down to these crazy depths and the weak and the broken can just walk across it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the, but it's the same river. It's the same lake. Yeah. And I think this is a beautiful picture to me of, and that's in some ways, that's the whole Bible. It's also Galatians. Yeah. It's the whole Bible is that y- you, the same thing that someone like me is going to spin out in a million different intellectual directions and then try and stop that so I can preach on Sunday um, <laughs> is, is, is going to be the thing that someone who, you know, has a, a subsistence farmer in sub-Saharan Africa who is, does not, has never learned how to read is going to be the thing that meets him in his struggle and need as he reflects on himself and his life circumstances and situations. Same thing. Yeah. It's beautiful yeah. and it's wonderful. And of yeah. course, how could you not need that yeah. in kind of every corner of your life? Yeah. All right. So as the two of you think about sit kind of here in this, in, in a sense, in this moment, both entering into the book of Galatians, entering into this season. I mean, we could talk about the, the cultural contexts and the last two years or whatever. And as, as you, Sit here in Los Angeles and at Cornerstone, thinking about all that the Lord's doing and what he has ahead. What what intrigues and excites you most about what lies ahead? Okay, Brian. I wanna, no, I want to hear Jim talk for, for, a while, for a while. I think we should have a podcast with just Jim talking personally, okay, but story time with Pastor Jim. <laughs> Okay, uh, I don't have a set thought about it, but the, the, I know the, what that's, is, the, the, that's what this is. That's, the best part. <laughs> that's what yeah. this is. Yeah, yeah. The the issue for we won't I, hold oh, you to it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'll hold me to it, but that'll be maybe uh, door. So <laughs> let me just talk. Little, so I, over, over a long period of time, I I have uh, from the point of view of a of a church, from point of view of of one who is supposed to be giving out this message about. Uh, this ancient Jesus person uh, to a culture that's totally pretty much oblivious and totally uninterested. Uh, I, I've seen, I think I've seen a sea change and that, that fascinates me because I didn't expect that. I expected somehow that we were all kind of go along and we'd go along on the same trip. Like we're mostly self-interested. We're mostly trying to figure out what to do today, how to fix tomorrow, make it more secure or something like that, how to, get people to love me without me having to love them too much back. Um, and, and, um, it has changed. Uh, it's, it, I think it's ramped up somehow and it has a different look. It seems, it feels more, uh, selfish and less and self-serving and less kind of open and generous in a kind of maybe a facade kind of way. That's a, just a Los Angeles culture, mm-hmm. but, but speaking into that culture and, and also just, having looked through the history of this particular church since way back uh, and the way that the, the area has changed and the whole sense of the, of the, the uh, metropolis that we're in has changed. Um, 
I, I find it to be very exciting. Uh, it, it seems like there's, a, there's both a, a, a sense of, of focus that's totally closed to any idea of, of a God or anything else like that. But there's another sense in which there's a, there's a realization of a kind of vulnerability of myself uh, that I think uh, invites God in. Uh, I need something. I need, I need some kind of, I can't do this. This is too, I can't do this on my own. I need somebody, something has to happen. And uh, that, that, that kind of desperateness, uh, I think, in, invites uh, a conversation about the reality of, of God, the, the definition of who we are that we've just been talking about. Uh, so I, I, what I find is that these times are, I think, far more exciting. Mm. Uh, the, the last time that seemed, that seemed to happen, I think, was post-World War II, uh, where a whole lot of cultural change and shifted, shifting happened. And I think that was a time where um, the message thrived, um, and then it got kind of pushed to the side, and it's now it's thriving. And I think that's kind of like the waves of an ocean coming and going. And we just take these first four words, and in the beginning, God, and start with that and say, holy cow, that's, that's, that's in, in itself a stunning uh, thing to say. Mm. Uh, because if that's true, uh, everything else is kind of false in a certain kind of no longer important way. Hmm. So that's 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 what my I don't know my random thoughts at the moment. What mm. what's, what little biological brain I have left is. <laughs> See, we need, we need the gym podcast. <laughs> we do. I tell you, we do. We yeah, do. I think that's right. I mean, I think you know, in the Book of Common Prayer, they have this refrain. They source everything from Scripture in the Book of Common Prayer, which is kind of funny because you don't yeah. notice that. They don't like reference it, but almost everything you start reading through the Psalms and go, "Oh, that's where that came from." Yeah. One of the things that you say um, regularly, um, it has a name. Maybe it's, it's not the Gloria Patri. There's like, like a Latin name for it, but, but you say, uh, uh, "Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end." Um, amen. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, and 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 you say it a few times. You say it after you read some Psalms and different things, um, and so you you begin to memorize it, and. What you're saying, Jim, is that's why I'm excited too in a lot of ways right now is there's in that you have simultaneously this sense of the expansive scope of eternity mm. as it was in the beginning, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, world without end, mm-hmm. uh, forever shall be. And it's, it's the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's the triune God. And, all, and the whole gospel is wrapped up in the Trinity. It, it's wrapped up in, you know, God sent, you know, the Father sends the Son by the Spirit. Um, but then there's this really... In, right in the middle, like smack dab in the middle, there's this is now, <laughs> as it was in the beginning, is now, is now and ever shall be. And so you kind of have this combination as you say these things of uh, this incredible stability, this, you know, the same yesterday, today and forever, you know, across time and space, we, we think of our lives as long and they're tiny, they're short, you know, blades of grass in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, they rise for a moment, they wither at the end of the day. You know, for God, a thousand years is like a day. There's just ways in which we just really think we have a long time, we have a short time. It it melts into the scope of history and eternity, and yet is now. Mm. You know, <laughs> glory to the Father, as it was in the beginning, is now. And right at this moment, where we find ourselves in the is now of that glory, and that's going to show up in ways that we probably can't expect, and in some ways that maybe we can forecast, but maybe not in the way we we forecasted it. But what an exciting time! The now is always an exciting time because the glory that is now is connected to the thing that was in the beginning and ever shall be, where will that end? That's, that's 
got to be exciting if you can take a step back and think about it kind of from that perspective. I personally have a hard time when I get lost in the minutia of the day. Mm. And so for, for that reason, saying that phrase a few times a day in different times of prayer is really helpful because it does kind of anchor you and in something large and point you right back to the right now. Because ideally, the prayer I'm praying at that moment is a part of the glory being given to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit now. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. There's a kind of a soul presence and a, and a physical presence. The physical presence is, you know, going and get the kids from school, bringing them home, you know, they're getting groceries, uh, fixing the flat tire. Uh, and the soul presence, I think, uh, beats to a different drummer if you're, uh, if you're careful about it and thinking about it. Uh, that's very powerful. And those, those two coexist somehow, uh, and uh, it's amazing to me because one can take over so easily, particularly at the first one <laughs> where I'm just running yeah. errands as like, oh, this is, this is life at its lowest level somehow. And I, if, if I lived in uh, some countries, it would be, you know, they'd look up and say, hey, you've got a car, you've got a, good, a grocery store, you've got everything, everything's great. But uh, it's still in some sense the same thing. It's, it's stuff to do. And then there's this other sense in which there, you kind of feel your eternality uh, before God. And uh, something stunning is in the middle of this day, this day. Uh, and that's, I think, uh, it's easy to drift off to one. And sometimes it's hard to refocus and connect back to the other and realize the celebration that needs to be going on in, in, that, in that awareness. Yeah, that part's stunning. I think there's something about the way that the Bible never talks about you having to create that reality. It talks about it in these just really kind of bold, simple, uh, existing terms. It's, it's present tense. You, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. There's a way in which you're, you don't have to manufacture spirituality. You really are just, you're along for the ride already. Eternity is imbued in these moments in which we live that seem so mundane but they're caught up in something obviously much, much larger in existence itself. And so you just, it's really just a question of, it's already happening, so you can, you can sort of enjoy it, or you can kind of get distracted from it and, and, just, and miss it as it's happening all around you, but you're not making it. And so yep. the idea that you can physically be present somewhere and your soul can be present before God at that same time, that you are seated in the heavenly places <laughs> with Christ right now. Like that's just, that's, as, we, as we talk, as these people, uh, you know, are, whoever's listening to this, as you guys are listening, that's, that's a truth that exists at, for Christians. Um, that just, yes. and so it, it yeah, I, yeah, I find myself so often trying to manufacture excitement, spiritual excitement, uh-huh. you know, yeah. I, I have to, I have to make this happen. So my actions are going to determine the existence of the spirituality in the world. Yeah. I have to kind of lay, lay, lay God's reality over the world I see as a kind of, you know, a, a game I have to play. I have to like make that happen when it was already there underneath all these things yeah. um, that are visible. And I just simply had to be there for it because um, I already am. I, I find that really helpful. And so often you, it is, it, you are distracted, but just the potential of your soul being able to be before God, whatever that means both metaphysically, but also whatever that means like in terms of your experience or practice of that, yes. just being aware that your soul is before God as as your, your body is before all these other tasks and that he built it that way. He, he made those things united. He, yeah. he did that himself in Christ. Mm. It's just, just some really amazing things that, um, it's, it's stunning to think that. Yeah, it is. And I think it, it, what the New Testament says to me is, is every once in a while, God pokes at the 
sheets at the curtain, you know, and enters in, even though you, you, you didn't particularly want him to or expect that uh, in stunning ways and in little ways and uh, in, you know, life earth changing ways. Uh, it's just stunning. But, but he does, he pokes in once in a while on his own and just, just changes everything. Well, isn't that the problem? I mean, at some level, like, isn't it, isn't it, you know, we, we talk, <laughs> I want to manufacture that spirituality. I want to do this thing. Yeah. And then God shows up and you realize how, how much you wanted him not to be there. Yeah. yeah. And, and now the real business begins. Now yes. the real formation and work on the heart and growth as a person begins between, between you and the God who's now there in a sense. He was always there. Yeah. But he asserts himself in that way and you go, oh man, I had this under control and now I realize I don't. Exactly. Yeah. That's well said. Well, I think that gives us both a, a lot to, in a lot, in a lot of senses, look forward to, whether it's this mm-hmm. season or every season, right? Mm-hmm. It reminds us of the current and pervasive reality of God, of his presence, of his work, of his work in different ways, um, of why we can be, in a sense, uniquely excited about what he's going to do as we dive into Galatians. And also with, uh, authenticity, uh, be excited for what comes next, right? Not, not have to bear it in Galatians as if, uh, you know, that's that, that, that one only thing. So I think mm-hmm. that's, I think it's helpful. It's a really helpful, a lot of helpful reminders um, that people are going to have to listen to on 0.75 speed. Um, <laughs> this is just what happens when you get Brian and Jay on a Monday morning. It is. And you kind of have a loose outline. 100%. 100%. Uh, I knew what I was getting when I asked for it, <laughs> but we're going to have to leave it there because okay. we, 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 we could keep going. <laughs> yes, we could. So, um, thank, thank, thank you guys. Thanks mm-hmm. for, uh, your love for us, for your people, for God's people and for the truth in a way that, um, helps us make sense of the seeming chaos around us that the Lord has so beautifully ordered and directed. Thank you, um, Scott. Yeah, and thank you guys for listening. We love you, and we will see you on Sunday.